Everyone, thanks for tuning in to session 55 of the Behavioral Observations Podcast. I am really psyched to share this episode with you. This episode is basically the extracted audio from a Facebook Live conversation that I had with Dave Stevens, who's the co-founder and director of Chartlytics. And it wasn't originally intended to be a podcast episode, but Dave's enthusiasm for our field, especially coming to it as an outsider, is really infectious. And there's tons of great stories about the use of uh, our science in uh, very different settings than what we're used to seeing. And it's also a great dissemination story. Uh, there's so many good things rolled up into this that, again, I couldn't help but to share it to a wider audience. So uh, if this is something you want to see more of, too, let me know. These Facebook Live kind of mini interviews, I've done a couple of them uh, thus far, and they've been a lot of fun. They're a little bit more impromptu. I think we took many, many kind of random left turns, or at least I did, uh, in this uh, conversation. I think at one point I was talking about uh, Matthew McConaughey's Lincoln Continental commercials. Um, hopefully it'll make sense when we get to that part of the conversation. So uh, we mentioned a ton of resources in this episode, and you can find those at behavioralobservations.com. Uh, and uh, we'll get to uh, Dave's conversation here with me in just a minute. I just want to mention a few quick housekeeping items. Uh, one is that uh, we are now on YouTube and uh, on uh, Alexa smart speakers, I guess. Is that, is that what they call them? I don't have one. Um, but I do know that if you go to an Alexa and say, play the Behavioral Observations podcast, that uh, I think that works. Um, a couple other things. We also now have uh, some behavioral observations merchandise. So whether it's T-shirts, totes, coffee mugs, uh, phone cases, etc., you can go to behavioralobservations.com and uh, click on the merchandise merchandise tab and uh, you know, see what we have to offer. You know, if you do buy something too, um, take a picture of it and tag me on Instagram. I'm at behavioral observations. Uh, another uh, announcement is that um, I have a special for newly minted BCBAs trying to get their continuing education. So if you go to uh, behavioralobservations.com and click on the for new BCBAs, I've got a special deal on type 2 CEs you can check out there. Um, I think that is it for uh, housekeeping, uh, if you will. So uh, without any further ado, please enjoy this fun conversation with Dave Stevens. Welcome to the Behavioral Observations Podcast, stimulating talk for today's behavior analysts. Now here's your host, Matt Sicoria. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the third, I think, third or fourth Facebook Live uh, that we've done here at Behavioral Observations. Um, these are things that we may do more of. Let me know, by, by the way, um, if these are things you want to see more of. Um, you can if you want people to see more of these, you're going to need different guests than myself. Okay? Uh, so Just so speaking of, let's introduce our guest. I am really excited to be talking with the co-founder of Chartlytics, which is now a central reach product, and we'll talk about what that means, uh, Dave Stevens. Um, so I met Dave, uh, gosh, started talking several months ago, and 
and I knew him as the co-founder of Chartlytics. And when I was chatting with you, Dave, I was, I just assumed that you were a behavior analyst because of the depth and breadth of your knowledge, particularly of uh, precision teaching. And, and, and that's not the case apparently. So, uh, why don't you, um, Tell us, because I even though we've hung out and stuff like that, I, I still never got around to asking the, the question about like, okay, you're not a behavior analyst. How did you get involved with starting a company uh, that, that that basically is based around the science of behavior? So, oh, it's a late night in a poker game. No, <laughs> that's um, right. That's right. <laughs> it was in uh, a back alley of. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. No, I, um, so my background's been in enterprise software, starting software companies. I was in a totally different industry in my last company. We sold really boring software for, uh, large, uh, manufacturers to manage their parts and service businesses. And I, uh, we sold that in 2010 and I sort of just took a break. I relaxed. It was like a 10, 12 year death march, uh, to get that thing all done. And, um, during the time I was doing some consulting, um, you know, just trying to stay a little bit active. Um, and one day out of the blue, my, one of my mentors from my last company said, hey, Dave, it's time to get off the bench. Why don't you come to this thing we're doing? And this thing was uh, Penn State uh, University. As, as you know, like many universities, they have a uh, – they're, they're trying to foster entrepreneurship and get the research out, you know, commercialize the research. So typically, re- you know, universities are really good at doing research, but they don't commercialize it and make it accessible. It. And so they started this – Penn State started this program called the Techcelerator Program for – graduate students and professors to go through basically a business boot camp, create a business plan around whatever the research or the technology you are working in was going to be. And at the end of this, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, sharktank.com or the dragon up in in Canada, uh, you know, the pitch, the pitch show, yeah, I know right? The show, right? So at the end of this, they do a kind of a shark tank pitch thing where everybody that goes through the boot camp has to pitch their idea. And I got asked to be a panelist because uh, I, uh, I have a problem. I keep starting companies. Um, and so, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I got to see a bunch of people come through, and it was really, it was really kind of interesting. And uh, one person in general, you might be able to guess who was, who was there, was uh, Dr. Rick Cabina. So uh, this was in December of 2013. So that night when he did his pitch, I was sitting there going, what in the world? If this is real, what is wrong with us? Why aren't we not using this, like, science that we know, like, we know how to teach, right? It's it's a known it's a known thing. We don't if there's there's no ambiguity ambiguity in it at all. We know how to teach. And I was like, why isn't anybody using this? And I come to find it's a paper, you know, precision teaching. So this is that night was my first introduction to precision teaching, and it didn't even get into ABA. Actually, you know, it was literally just on precision teaching. And I think his presentation was more focused on like um, special education kids, uh, uh, tier two, tier three type kids who were, you know, reading and math was kind of the focus of his presentation. Um, and so we, I was very interested. Uh, Rick didn't win that night cause he couldn't get his videos to play. He still has trouble with videos playing in his presentation. So, um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I was fascinated. So we actually got together, we were having lunch, um, we were, uh, you know, we, we just kind of talked for, I don't know, three or four months. And I learned more and more about everything and the applications of this, you know, this precision measurement, precision teaching science. I was just, I was, I was, uh, I was just enthralled. I was like, I, I wanted to know a lot more. And um, we went through 
bunch of different ideas for how we might be able to take something like what he was proposing to market. Um, and we formed Chartlytics, uh, I think, May 21st, 2014 is when we signed our, our operating agreement. So that's uh, May 21st. Okay, so you just kind of rolled over uh, another uh, uh, milestone apparently. We did, nice. yeah. Actually, our four-year four anniversary, and we, um, we'll, we'll talk about what happened the day after our fourth-year anniversary in a little bit. But that was my first introduction. That was my first introduction to um, precision teaching, and we start. You know, we set out to basically make precision teaching as accessible. So, if you've had any exposure to the standard celebration chart, you know, it's this paper-based thing. You have these finders. It's a very manual and, and, and process, and it takes time, uh, and it's. It's generally hard to train because you have to spend a lot of time, you know, with it. So we set out to digitize that and make it accessible. What was your first impression, uh, I guess? I, I don't know if you recall this, but what was your first impression of looking at the chart itself when, when Rick showed you the chart where you're like, what the hell is this thing? Like, this is just like lines and stuff like that? Or, or did you... I have a semi. I have a yes. You know, I have a semi-engineering background, and like, I understand the benefits of ratio charts when you're trying to flatten out curves, right? So I got it. Like, a, once once um, uh, I don't have a whiteboard with me, but like, all learning is sort of an asymptotic curve. It starts out slow, it goes exponential, and it tailors off when you get to the upper limit of that behavior, mm -hmm. right? Like, so think about uh, typing on a keyboard. There's only so you can only go so fast, right? Sure. There's a there's a physical limit, and um, so learning starts out slow, gets exponential, and tailors off again. It's an S curve, right? Um, and so uh, when you're dealing with those types of things, like using ratio charts to flatten out these curves and understand rate of growth and trends, are, is it was pretty it was familiar familiar to me. I see. So when I when I saw and Rick's you've been through Rick's presentation, he yeah. he he explains it very brilliantly. So, um, so let me let me just jump in real quick because uh, I have. Yeah. Uh, um, I did not. So anyway, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't afraid. Okay. I um, no, I want you to continue on, but I just had a quick comment because I I, yeah. I, I did not have that experience. I was kind of like, you know, but I have a friend of mine who um, was is an Ivy League math major, right? And I showed him the chart, and he's like, he looked at it for a second. He's like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. So it's just kind of funny. It's almost like a personality test in many respects. You know, I took the history of math in college. It's the, the new right. Rorschach, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, anyway, go that's on. That's going to be wanna... a new test. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, that's I funny. So, so anyway, the chart, honestly, the, the, so the ratio chart is very interesting. It helps you understand trends. Um, and, uh, so, cause curved, curved stuff is hard to figure out where it's going to go. So if there's curves in your, you know, not, uh, linearly scaled graphs, uh, it's hard to project where that's going, um, uh, without like some math. So this, the ratio chart is pretty uh, helpful in that. The other really important piece of the chart is that what I've come to find is just the, it boggles my mind. Um, uh, that the well, well I'll, I'll, get, I'll come back to that. But it's the standardization of the ratios of the x and y, y axes. So there's um, it's called uh, trend line anchoring. Okay, uh, I actually have a paper I, I found from like 1905 of why that's so important. So the thing with the trend <laughs> trend line anchoring, right? Like so in ABA we make decisions based on trends, uh, variability, trends, and level. Right? That's how you're supposed to do visual analysis. Um, and trendline anchoring, what it does is for the same growth rate, 
your trend line is always at the same angle. It never changes. So 50% growth rate is always here. 100% growth rate, we'll call times two, is always here. It never That angle never varies. And if you think about the sort of stretch to fill graphs that most of ABA, most of everybody uses, even business. Um, oh, it's as terrible. Stretching, it's terrible in business. Oh, it's, it's off make, the charts. It's yeah. everywhere. It's not. It's, it's off the chart, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, totally off the chart. Uh, what happens is... Yeah, so what happens is as you're stretching that, the angle is changing of your trend line. And in ABA, you know, what's the common thing? If it's low to moderate, continue or make a change. If it's high, change, right? But what's that mean? Low, moderate, high. If you're if you're able to squeeze and change the slope of that trend line, you can't necessarily even compare one graph to the other. Your 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 whole decision making framework, the frame that you're using to make a decision is variable and subjective. So the cool thing about the standard acceleration chart, and it's 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 literally just because it's been locked to a certain ratio um, in terms of x and y, uh, is that that trend line never changes. It, this is always 10% growth. This is always 50%. This growth, you know, is 100% growth. Yeah. So those two features, uh, I think, just it just became it was unbelievably clear when I saw it. And you know, the day it came, I went to uh, there's a conference of chart geeks. Um, called the International Precision Teaching Conference. In fact, it's in Seattle. You should come. Okay. Um, we'll make you an honorary. <laughs> uh, honorary charkey. But um, I went in, oh, let me see. I think I went 2015. So we're working on Chartlytics. We started in May 2014. We're building our first prototypes. Uh, we used uh, Rick's uh, professor at Penn State uh, in special education. We used his class to kind of alpha test the whole thing. You know, it was kind of fun. I had college students, you know, QAing our software. Um, but I went to the IPTC in November. It was, I think it's in St. I don't even know where I live. St. Uh, I think it was St. Pete's, Florida. And I was sitting in a room. I go in a presentation, and the, the opening slide was a chart. And collectively, collectively, within two seconds, the entire the entire audience goes, "Oh!" And I'm like, "What? What?" So what happened was because this chart is so standard, you had you know a hundred people immediately in two seconds understand. What was going on with the data on the chart? So, didn't have to understand the legend. Yeah, go ahead. Right. So they didn't have to orient themselves to the to the axis. No orientation. Yeah. Two seconds. It was collective. Uh, you know, you could immediately see that this was going to be. You know, we're talking about a behavior that's going in the wrong direction. And I was like, well, that's why standards are so important. You know, how often do you spend time just figuring out what's on the graph? Right. Right. So when you work, so I, I think I think. Um, what I appreciate about what you've done as someone who's coming to our field from a different walk, a very different walk of life, uh, and you, you foreshadowed it a second ago when you said you went back and found some paper from 1905 or something like that. You have gone back and read all of Skinner's stuff, all, you know, like it, it really is remarkable, you know, that uh, it, and it's very unusual for someone who, um, you know, kind of. Yes, you can bite the ABA hook, um, but I, I, at least in my, you know, anecdotal experience, it's very rare for someone to go back and like be reading the behavior of organisms and you know and th- looking for papers <laughs> from 1905 and, and, and things along those lines. So that is, that is pretty commendable because you know I think there are aspects of behavior analysis that uh, 
that you know uh, way more about than most of the BCBAs walking around um, uh, these days. So I'm still well. Cool. Be careful there because I'm still trying to figure out like, DRO versus DRL. Like, what is that? Okay, I think you're pulling my leg, but. <laughs> We, yeah, that, I used that's, to literally if you could figure trying to out keep the, all these acronyms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that, that's a very trainable thing. So um, yeah, I need some SAF meds. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, we'll go we'll go over that offline later. Um, okay. Thanks, Matt. So, uh, anyway, so I just want to take a like just pause for a second and just say hello to folks. We're getting a lot of thumbs up and comments. So. Uh, Aaron, uh, Megan is chiming in uh, many times as we would expect. Uh, Rebecca Byers, hello. Uh, Nicholas, Ronnie, uh, Genevieve, uh, Gemily. Uh, oh, look, it's Megan again. Uh, Cynthia, <laughs> Canary, Maggie, uh, Kathy. Kathy says everyone should come to the IPTC conference. Um, <clears throat> Malia wants to know what are we talking about today? Well, we're gonna yeah, so we're gonna get to that. So there's been some big changes at Chartlytics. So Chartlytics has um, has graciously graciously sponsored the Behavioral Observations podcast going back uh, almost 15 episodes, uh, starting with session 39 when we had Rick on, um, and so uh, and through that process, I've gotten to know you guys, gotten to hang out with with. Uh, with most of the, the Chartlytics crew. And so um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was uh, I saw a post on Facebook and said uh, something to the effect of, hey, guys, we are honored or psyched or whatever to be merging with Central Reach. And I was like, what? And I immediately texted you, Dave. I'm like, hey, that's not, that, I'm not exactly sure what the ramifications are about it, but, you know, that sounds pretty cool. So... Uh, so I want to have you on, um, not just to kind of get the story of how you encountered precision teaching and behavior analysis more broadly, but talk about uh, the the acquisition uh, or merger with Central Reach and what, what the ramifications are uh, for current users of Chartlytics or future users of Chartlytics or, or you know, people who are involved in the Central Reach universe and things like that. Where I think I'd like to start, though, is... Um, <clears throat> Is maybe talking about what what so we we, we kind of have a foundation of that you know Chartlytics is this this company that you and Rick created to kind of digitize and systematize the 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 practice of precision teaching through automating the chart and you guys have done that uh, as well as done tons of workshops and I'm probably leaving off a whole huge laundry list of things that that you've been about. There's a lot, there's a lot of bruises and cuts on that on that journey. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we know what Chartlytics is, or at least have some sort of idea. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Central Reach, why don't you take a minute uh, to talk about uh, what Central Reach is and what they do and things like that. And, and I should also note that you're at the mothership, right, in, at Central Reach. So all those uh, things going on behind you, are, are you're in the, the HQ, if you will, the bunker. So, so, so um, fill us in on that. Tell us a little bit about uh, w w what that company does. So Central Reach is uh, the largest practice management uh, platform focused on ABA um, today. So they uh, started in a market around 2013, 
And now there's about 50,000 users, almost 300,000 clients on the platform. And Central Reach is like, it's, it's um, a very broad application in terms of what it can do. So scheduling, billing, documentation management, um, you know, revenue cycle management for ABA companies. Uh, I have a whole clinical module where you can take all the clinical data, ABC data, um, a lot of non-standard charts in there. Uh, and, uh, um, and, you know, they're arguably the leader in the space right now, especially for size. Um, and, and I think collectively, you know, one of the reasons that we were, you know, so the next question uh, is, so why Central Reach? Um, and, you know, when Rick and I started Chartlytics, we, we, we kind of committed to each other that um, we would only focus on the clinical aspects of the standard acceleration chart and precision teaching, right? Like clinical decision making or, you know, it was clinical educational decision making was our, our focus. And we didn't really want to build all these other tools because there are many practice management solutions out there. And we didn't feel like we should spend many resources because quite honestly, building out the standard acceleration chart and the workflows of precision teaching to digitize them, you know, this is a 10-year roadmap of all the things that we want to do here. Um, and if you if you dilute yourself, you know, you're only able to do a little bit of each. And so we wanted to stay very laser-focused on precision teaching. And so we always knew we were going to have to have relationships with practice management software, right? Because, like, no one wants to have silos of data. You know, people are already fighting silos of data. I have some data in paper. I have some data in Excel. We have some people over on the email. You know, we have a platform for this. We have a platform for that. And um, that's not really a good, um, an optimal way of managing that kind of stuff. And so we always knew we were going to have to work with other practice management platforms that do the billing, that do the scheduling, that do all that stuff, right, um, with how you manage and, and run your ABA business. And so we started talking to, to companies uh, about uh, last quarter, so the end of last year, I guess. It's not last quarter, end of last year, so two quarters ago. Um, started talking to people and just feeling things out. And then one day we got an email from uh, Central Reach and said, hey, we identified you as the best in breed for clinical decision making. You know, we think we're the best in breed in practice management and we should talk. And I was like, yes, let's talk. <laughs> you know, so uh, that's how that all got started. Clinical Behavior Analysis, or CBA for short, is Kentucky's expert provider of applied behavior analysis, counseling, and direct support services to individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, acquired brain injury, and autism. And they're about to open the Center for Behavior Analysis, a 13,000-square-foot state-of-the-art facility in Louisville, Kentucky. And they're looking for a clinical director to lead a highly motivated team of BCBAs and technicians. If you're not familiar with Louisville, it's been rated by U.S. News & World Report as one of the nation's best places to live. With a low cost of living, your industry-leading salary and signing bonus will go a lot further. And with an abundance of cultural and recreational activities, you will not lack for fun things to do. So to learn more, go to cbacares.com forward slash careers and set up your confidential interview today. Wow, that's cool. Because I was about to ask the how question, how you guys hooked, uh, got 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 hooked up. So that that takes care of that. Um, yeah, they they reached out to us. Like, so we've been doing these workshops. We've been doing our marketing, our our you know our social media. We really increased because we're you know we're not trying to sell the chart anymore. We're trying to sell the results. That if you can simplify and standardize the way you take data and the way you make decision, you get these accelerated outcomes, and they almost come for free. It's a lot of hard work, and I don't mean to kind of say. It, 
it's just by doing these simple things, you get these crazy outcomes with your kids. You just break, you break through barriers. And we've been doing a lot of work to kind of start educating the market that precision teaching is not this blue chart, use this blue chart, use this blue chart. It's really we're after outcomes and we're after the fastest way we know how through science to do so. And, you know, yeah, that's cool. so so our marketing's really helped. Um, and our, our awareness building with the workshops and things like that really helped us get to the point where we, you know, were thought of as sort of the leader in clinical decision making. Well, you know, if I can just piggyback <laughs> on that point. So it sounds like that, you know, there's and I know you probably heard this a million times having a, a business background, but I think there's a lesson for dissemination there because it sounds like you were selling the, the, the benefits and not the features. And that's kind of an old uh, cliche in marketing, right? You don't. You know, you know, when you sell a car, like, you know, like the Lincoln commercials, right? They've got Matthew McConaughey driving around looking cool in his Lincoln, you know. Um, and they're not talking about power windows. They're not talking about, you know, air conditioning or, you know, GPS or whatever. It's Matthew McConaughey looking cool. You know, and that, that's the obviously the, the fantasy-based benefit of, of having a Lincoln. Um, sure. And, and, and they don't talk about any of the actual nuts and bolts of, of, of the vehicle itself. Um, and so it sounds like you guys weren't, you know, obviously in a more more genuine way. We're talking about the benefits that 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 occur when you use the chart, not necessarily like you know uh, times one times two, or, you know, what, you know, six cycles and et, et cetera. So uh, you know, we talk yeah, so about there's a, there's a... all the time in behavior analysis, and I think as behavior analysts, we we geek out over those those features, and mm. oftentimes don't sell the benefits. So anyway, that's kind of. Yeah, there's an amazing, there, there's an amazing, and, and honestly, this wasn't by design. Like we, we went through, we were selling the features of the chart. We're selling the little blue lines that squish together as you, you move up. Um, we, uh, we transitioned in late, uh, no, I'd say early mid uh, 2017, so just last year, um, to start really focusing on what it was, what we're actually selling. And our actual work, our, we, I talked to a bunch of our customers, and they, and they all would say, like, you help me standardize things. You, you know, this helps me, you know, uh, know what to do. You know, it gives me confidence in making decisions. And we're like, wow, they're not saying, like, we digitize precision teaching. They're not saying we make the chart easy to use. They're saying these benefits of what it allows them to do like where does where's the value and that was kind of a light bulb in my head and then uh i don't know end of the summer last year early fall i saw a video by simon sinek he um he has this ted video and it's uh, understanding your why and we should put it in the comments here it's amazing and it talks about your why your what and your how almost everybody markets their how and not their why. Mm -hmm. And we just started going out, you know, why is Chartlytics here? And Chartlytics is here to help you make quicker, more confident decisions more frequently so you can drive accelerated outcomes. That's it. That's our why for existence. Our why is to bring precision teaching to the world. Uh, and we do that by digitizing it, making it very accessible and easy. And the reason why we're doing and that's our what. And then our how is you log into the website, you touch all these buttons, and you do these things, right? We were selling those how things. We weren't selling the whole why. And when we switched to the why, everything changed for us. All right. I think I found that talk. So I'm going to drop that right in the comments here. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I think, again, this is a conversation that, that we need to continuously have in our field as we try to <clears throat> break out of the pigeonhole of, of just providing services, you know, to, to young kids on the spectrum. Not to say there's anything. Yes. Not, and, and, you know, not, not to, to say there's anything 
wrong about that, of course, you know, as Pat Fryman says, more of that, please. But, <clears throat> you know, breaking out from underneath that. Well, yeah. So the, what's the, what's the fundamental why of ABA? Uh, to solve socially important problems. Okay. So what's it, what about in the context of most ABA providers today? You know, we're, we're focused on essentially autism at the moment. So I'm sorry. What, what, so what, so like if you if you were talking to an ABA center who's you know their bread and butter is coming from essentially a you know autism service provider right they're helping kids with autism and so what I see as ABA and not to obviously the ABA is universally applicable to any human behavior but you know for somebody listening it's like well how do I use the why in my messaging I'm marketing to parents what you're selling what we're selling is oh, independence yes yes we're selling independence right why do we do what we do independence. We want everybody to have in, independent you know, lives where everybody can reach their potential, regardless of where they're starting from, right? And so you know, that's how I see ABA, right? Everybody, we want independence, we want to reach our potential. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I know, you know, you listen to the show and you've probably heard many episodes we've done on ACT and it kind of almost um, reminds me of, of the values clarification process of you know, and I was um, doing a training yesterday with some folks in, uh, who, who work with kids with emotional behavioral challenges in school settings. And, uh, you know, I, I said, I know this sounds kind of like your, your, you know, your junior high guidance counselor stuff, but, you know, ask the kids, like, what they want to do with their lives, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, and maybe relate, you know, these obstacles that they need to confront on a day-to-day -day basis towards that. And I, I use the term independence and I use that kind of interchangeably freedom, right? You know, it's like, yeah. you know, especially kids who are in, in, in um, very difficult circumstances and like they want to get out of their home probably many times for good reasons because not a lot of good things might be going on there. You know, and so you could, you know, and so that, that anyway, so I can go on about that. But anyway, so, so the larger point is, you know, kind of identifying those values seems, seems really important. So, Agreed. And I'm fascinated about ACT and you know, some of the RFT stuff that folks are doing. It's really interesting to me how you can combine like, and I, I had an amazing conversation with Dr. Kevin Polk from the ACT Matrix mm -hmm. frame and we were talking. He's like, Shh, don't tell anybody. I'm sorry, Kevin, if you're going to watch this. Don't tell anybody, but ACT Matrix is really just radical behaviorism. You know? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna be, uh, it was a great conversation though. <laughs> I'm going to have um, uh, the week after next, I'm going to be interviewing Nick Barron's Oh, awesome. From Fit Learning. From Fit, know, we've, yeah. We've oh. had Kim on. And Kim's actually talking at uh, New Hampshire ABBA. We'll put a plug in for that. More on nice. that later, folks. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Nick reached out to me, and he's like, I want to talk about RFT, and I want to talk about it in relationship to teaching critical thinking skills and things like that. So we're going to do kind of like an RFT 101. Oh, nice. Uh, and, uh, and and he's going to relate it to precision teaching Uh and we're going to do this only in an audio format, which is going to be scary as hell for me. I'm like, how do we do this? He's like, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. You know? So, okay. Uh, I was like, all right, well, every RFT talk has like all these arrows and image, you know, and he's like, don't worry. I got it. So he's got it. Okay. So anyway, it's going to be great. Um, so let's get back to the, the, the merger here. Um, uh, I, I, um, put out a call for questions and, and folks, if you do have questions about the merger, um, you know, drop them in the comments here. But I, I, I got a couple of questions on Instagram that I can't really find right now. That's probably why I wasn't totally listening to the question that I 
biffed on earlier. <laughs> I, like, I know there's a question here. Uh, I'm a bad multitasker. Um, but uh, so if you are a current central reach user, what is, what is, what are the implications uh, so the the near term implications are right now. Um, so our companies are now one. We have merged Chartlytics fully into the Central Reach family. Uh, we're going to be a module within Central Reach, while also still being sort of a separate product that we can deploy in novel markets uh, and be opportunistic there. Um, but for our ABA SLP OT, probably given our uh, K through 12 special education uh, markets, uh, we'll be able to go in there now with much more. Uh, capabilities uh, than you know Startlytics had on its own in terms of uh, managing the process, documentation, and all that stuff. But what it means is that there will be an integrated experience. So there'll be one set of users in the, and one set of clients, and Chartlytics will share that client information with the clinical notes and billing processes that Central Reach, um, you know, has best of breed applications for. So uh, our intent is to have a very seamlessly unified experience. But that's a that's a that's a roadmap, right? That's going to take us some time. Um, we have some near-term goals, mid-term goals, and then eventually total integration of the platform while still allowing Chartlytics to be sort of opportunistic and getting the chart in other places. I see. Uh, all right. So we've got some questions here. Um, Roxanne says, will you be offering more teaching within Central Reach? Uh, 100%. So Central Reach has a marketplace right now for content. Um, it is content, I think, that's mostly been focused on kind of like a HIPAA compliance training. It's like the best-selling course they have for customers. You know, they want to train everybody for HIPAA. Uh, and there's a couple other ones like that. But we tend, you know, we have the Precision Teaching University at Chartlytics, uh, which has, I don't know now, probably – it's probably close to 100 hours of precision teaching training through our webinars that we've done and the courses that Rick and the team, Amy and Shelby, are starting to develop courses for that too now, and Sal as well. Um, but yeah, all the training and content's going to come over. We intend to make it very kind of an integrated experience with curriculum. So if you want to do some free operant-based, you know, kind of uh, curriculums, reading, writing, math, uh, social skills, life skills, uh, you kind of name it, there'll be kind of some curriculum in the marketplace that we can now bring into the app and you're ready to go. Um, now, when I say curriculum, it's, I think, precision teaching-based curriculum is much different than sort of your typical here's step one, step two, step three. We find most curriculum to be very procedural based, like you just follow this recipe and if it doesn't work, well, f do it again, right? Um, whereas precision teaching is very adaptive. It's it honestly, you know, there's this trend in education about personalized learning. Um, precision teaching owns that, right? There is no more personalized learning than what, you know, precision teachers do. And so what we're, we want to do is give like frameworks and guidelines, like start with here, but always make decisions, always make a change. If your data says you should make a change, do not continue. Don't go past, you know, don't pass go, go straight to change kind of thing, right? Like don't continue. And people are making decisions now, you know, five, you know, the standard that some of our, our users are using five to eight program level decisions per program per day. Do I slice it back a little bit? Do I do another trial? Do I do another thing? And they're real-time doing visual analysis to make those decisions. Um, and so when we say curriculum, it is within that framework where it is highly adaptive and very personalized based on the data uh, of what you're seeing. Right. Instead so. of uh, 
doing 10 trial blocks in a row and then the, the yeah somebody asked me so week, you know and <clears throat> I, I was on a call honestly i was on call monday and she asked okay so where in chartlytics can i put in like the minimum standard that we want 10 you know trials it was exactly that question i was like well Listen, everybody asked that in the beginning, but about two months in, that question goes away because you realize now that 10 is arbitrary, right? You might only need two. You might need more. And if you need more than 10, you're probably trying to do too much. You need, a, you need to slice the content or step back a little bit in your content because you're pushing too hard. They don't know, you know, they don't know the content. So a lot of those, those sort of standards, they just disappear because now you react 100% to the learner and the needs of the learner. Cool. All right. More questions here. And, and, uh, Rebecca Byers is, is, is mining social media to find these questions that I can. So uh, thank you so much for doing that. Uh, Becca awesome. is on our team. I'll just put that out there. Oh, okay. Becca is our marketing manager. Oh, that's right. okay. I think, uh, she is wonderful. Um, she is on the ball all the time, uh, helping to connect uh, pain and, and questions to answers and hopefully solutions. So uh, we are very ben- uh, we uh, very uh uh, lucky to have Beck, uh, to Beck on the team there. Got it, got it. Okay, so I was, I was reading your, your formal name, uh, so I didn't make the connection there. So got it, got it, Becca. Uh, all right, so she uh, she pulled one from Instagram. Uh, I'm hoping to hear about how existing Central Reach users will be able to use the standard acceleration chart. Will CR data be uh, expanded upon to include the uh, SCC as one of the data collection type options. Yeah, hundred percent is the goal, right? So we're going to start off where you'll manage a single set of client data and a single set of user data. You'll then be able to jump off into Chartlytics seamlessly without a separate login, and you can do your charting in Chartlytics. And that's kind of phase one on our integration plans. And this is all subject to change as we figure out like what's easy and not easy to do technically with the development teams. Uh, the ultimate goal, though, is within the Central Reach learning trees, and only Central Reach users will understand this. But within the learning tree, you'll be able to create a goal that is a pinpoint goal, which then graphs automatically on the standard acceleration chart embedded into the experience. And so that's that's kind of our end game uh, goals that we have. But that's going to take time. You know, that that's six months, maybe 12 months away before we're able to get that truly integrated experience. Hey everyone, as a BCBA, meeting your continuing ed needs can be challenging at times. That's why I have made selected episodes of the Behavioral Observations podcast available for Type 2 continuing education credits. That's right. You can meet a portion of your professional development requirements on the go. Currently, we have CEs for topics including functional assessment, ethics, and supervision. Come learn from podcast favorites such as Greg Hanley, Pat Fryman, Mark Dixon, as well as many other amazing guests. For more information, head on over to behavioralobservations.com forward slash get CEs. So one thing I was um, curious about, I know this came up in conversation when I was out in Las Vegas with you guys at the, the two-day workshop with, um, I don't think I had a conversation Which with we're you. Which we're going back there again. We're going to try and make that an annual thing in December and, okay, and maybe make cool. it bigger. And now that we're uh, part of the Central Reach family, maybe talk about how the best practices for billing, the best practices for scheduling, for managing your practice from an HR, paper performance modules, uh, OBM and KPIs for your business. So we're thinking we're thinking a little bigger now. But yeah, we 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 want to we loved Vegas was fun. Yeah, we had like 100, 160 people there, which was amazing. Yeah, so. that was that was a great time. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, I don't think I had this conversation with you. I had it with some of the other folks uh, at Chartlytics about um, the predictive 
nature of the chart and how insurance companies might favor that over other means of, 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 of outcome measures and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit more about, um, about how that could possibly play out? Of, of, this is a lot of crystal ball stuff, but you know. Yeah. Um, so I want to I want to correct you. Uh, it's not predictive. It's projective, right? So we're not we can't predict, right? And if we were, if we could, I wouldn't be here. Okay. Uh, we wouldn't be here, right? Had <laughs> had that Powerball. Um, <laughs> maybe I'd still be here. Uh, I, I enjoy what I do. Um, so we're projecting. We can easily because we're flattening out the curve. We can sort of project where they're going to go within the variance or the bounce envelope, and we can say within a certain degree. You know, uh, there's a lot of variables here, but generally we can say your 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 behavior is going in this direction, and at some point in the future it'll be around here, right? So that's very interesting. So you know, as a you know ABA professional, people kind of ask you, how long is this going to take? You know, like how long until our, my son masters this skill or my daughter masters this skill, right? Like, we're, you know, how long how long are we going to be doing this? And with insurance companies, obviously, that's a very interesting question because, you know, in the ABA and behavioral sciences, you know, they don't have anywhere near the data they have on like the hard medical science, like heart health and things like that. We know that, you know, they have all this kind of rate of change and expectation data around various heart conditions. So they kind of understand what things are going to take from a time perspective and where you're going to get to. And I think one thing that's lacking in ABA is, is that kind of detail. Like if, if we put in 40 hours of services, what are we going to get out of it? And you know that no 40 hours is the same across any, you know, any provider whatsoever, really. Um, and so I think we're in an interesting position to be able to start not only projecting and helping people project when things are going to be uh, attained, but literally uh, understanding how component, uh, so we did a webinar about component composite analysis of behavior, and it's how components of behaviors get combined uh, to create complex behaviors, and those complex behaviors are now component behaviors and more complex behaviors. The frequencies of all those things combined can kind of project where you need to work in terms of the components, as well as like um, can help us understand like uh, the overall time it's going to take to get to this more complex behavior way out here downstream. I think that's very interesting information that insurance companies would love to have. Um, and, you know, if you think about ABA and the, the, the history of insurance, it's not that long that they started actually covering ABA services. Okay, In fact, sure, yeah. there's still I think there's still states that don't make coverage mandatory, right? I, I think there's a still... Uh, yeah, I, I, I would imagine, but it's not an area of my expertise, so... Um, yeah, so I think you know, I think I think it's uh, they just are waiting for the data and waiting to understand. And since there's so much variability in how ABA is actually delivered, um, it's probably hard to get that information. I see. Uh, so I want to. I know I'm kind of skipping around here, but there's a lot of cool things going on. Um, you really, you really are. It's more than I do. So it's, I'm, I commend you on that. It's good. <laughs> um, so you guys posted. Uh, a blog post about what's going on in South Carolina with the oh, yeah. uh, with the with the, the the project that's going on with um, fit learning and the second and third graders and, and things like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because th those outcomes were remarkable, and, and uh, again, it's just an example of, of how this stuff you know can can be applied in regular ed settings and you know with kids who are just maybe behind in skills and things like that. So before I kind of, you know, elaborate too far and potentially butcher the story, you know, talk about how that, uh, how that, it's just a fascinating story that I'd love to hear. 
more of? Yeah, so we um, we partnered with Dr. Mary Sawyer of Fit Learners Atlanta, who is uh, working with Aubrey Daniels. Um, uh, to essentially start a fit learning center down in Atlanta. They've already started. Um, but one of the things, you know, with precision teaching is it's kind of ubiquitous uh, in terms of its ability to, it's, all it does is help you measure, right? Like at the core, it's a measurement science to understand you know, daily progress monitoring, right? That's it. Um, at its core is what it's doing. But now there's all these types of sort of intervention techniques like frequency building, ACT, RFT. And if you combine them in these sort of free operant ways, um, and do you understand what you understand what the free the free operants a common common term right okay you, you when you when you when you free up the learner to kind of grow at the rate that they want to grow at and do the things they want to do Ah Lindsay called it the four freedoms um, you get these really kind of accelerated outcomes and so uh, we actually partnered to provide chartlytics uh, to the school district for the pilot that we did because um, obviously like uh, hand charting on paper is time consuming and kind of would restrict the process uh, from moving forward. And so we, we offer chartletics, which is very easy to learn. The kids end up charting. Most, most of our learners, uh, we encourage them to chart themselves. So the kids, like I saw Kathy Fox on here, I think, and uh, they have like 300 kids at the Hogland Learning Center that are charting themselves on chartletics, right? So when people say it's so, it's so hard to do, I'm like, well, come on, here's, here's a third grader, right? With an autism diagnosis, charting their own, you know, reading progress and excited about daily growth. But anyway, uh, the Lake City thing was very interesting because we partnered with FIT, um, well, FIT Learners and um, Dr. Mary Sawyer to essentially take like a light version of their curriculum. They have a humongous, uh, you know, curriculum that they've been developing for decades, I guess, now, and they're incorporating RFT into that. But we took a very simplified version of that, and Donnie Newsom over in FIT Reno put this together for the project, where we basically did two things. So Mary did like heavy one-on-one uh, FIT style coaching, where they worked very directly with the students of uh, telehealth. And then we did another one where we trained, or Mary did, and I, I, all this is on them. All we did was provide the software. Um, uh, she trained some college interns, college students, to work with the kids to just do these simple frequency building exercises where you just do practice, time practice, and you try to get better. Um, uh, every time you do it, you drop your dot and you see how you're going. Um, she did this with them, and they trained it, and the results were just fantastic. It's it's it was you didn't get anywhere near the progress of like the one on one. I shouldn't say that, but you got very good progress, triple what they were getting in school, if not more than that, what they were getting in their normal education, and and that kind of thing where you can take people that don't have a training in precision teaching, show them some basics of how you make decisions in the moment, how you run these frequency building exercises, and you get like. 80%, 90% of the gains of like one-on-one type of a, of interaction. So we were just showing how it could be scalable with the technology. Um, and you're right, it's amazing testament to the power of precision teaching um, when you combine it with like the technology to make it easy and accessible for everybody. There was two total days of training, I believe, with the college interns. Um, and I think only two hours of that were on Chartlytics. Right? Like, so it's, we just make the whole measurement science so easy to use. Cool. Yeah, but it was it was an amazing project, and we're looking forward to doing more there. All right, very nice. Um, so another kind of uh, uh, random turn here. I know Rick has um, going to be. You're really good, Rick You're Cabina. Really good. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's no segue, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, hard stop, hard hard left. That's right. So um, so Rick's gonna be doing some stuff with um, a medical school. 
in uh in, oh in yeah okay so 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 i'm just yeah. i'm just trying to think of a different you know yeah share a different application this is this is almost like a this is this is gonna be like a this is my life episode kind that's of right, thing. That's right. so i keep you on your toes dave you know <laughs> no that's good i could i'm good um so the thing that so, you know, like I said early on when we started talking, like precision measurement and ABA, precision teaching, we like to call it precision measurement because precision teaching is kind of an umbrella of a whole bunch of different sort of in- interventions and, and sort of uh, contingency management kind of practices. Um, well, Charlie's really focused on just the measurement part, you know, the SEC taking data uh, in real time. So that process is universal. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's human behavior, if it's organism behavior, it's exactly what Skinner did with the operant chamber. We're just taking as close to real-time data as we can about the behaviors that we're trying to change. And so we get, uh, we're probably in about 14 research projects now, like in Botswana. It's like all over the world that we're in providing standard acceleration chart for, for research. And, and honestly, we think we can own the uh, or be very influential in the single-case uh, experimental design, single-subject research design, uh, which is, is, is a rapidly growing part of, uh, of research. Um, but the Albert Einstein School of Medicine, Rick just became an, uh, uh, an associate professor, I guess, there. So he's adding more to his CV. Um, the Marty Levy, who did a talk, and I really want to get this from the uh, Standard Acceleration Society. They need to make it more widely available because uh, it's locked behind a paywall. But um, uh, Marty Levy did a talk where he showed uh, how he's using clicker training, tag teaching, um, and free operant conditioning um, – for orth- orthopedic uh, st- uh, surgeon students, so people in school learning how to be orthopedic surgeons. And he's sort of te- applying ABA the same way you train like dogs. This is, I'm probably going to hear, I'm putting feet, my foot in my mouth here, but uh, positive reinforcement, right? So if you think about medical training, there's some TV shows, I forget what the name of it was, uh, Scrubs, where it was like negative reinforcement, negative reinforcement, you know, punishment, punishment, negative reinforcement, right? Um, uh, well, he's like, why don't we just do positive reinforcement like we do with our, our dogs, right? Like, let's just let's just flip to positive and so he's doing this there but he's doing this really interesting frequency building technique with these students where they're practicing on like he spent so much time and his i'm going to butcher his talk but he spent so much time developing uh analogs for the types of uh um procedures that you would do in orthopedic surgery so in a tibia at the end at a certain spot on the tibia you have to draw you have to drill a perfectly you know precise angled hole at a a precise depth you know or or you go through the other side kind of thing and that's that's very expensive yeah, it's, you, it's very expensive to train because, like, pig tibia bones that they use are expensive. And you only do it once because now the bones, you just drill the hole, right? So uh, he came up with all these novel ways of practicing. So he tried different materials and he used, like, PVC and all these things. He put together this, like, complete, like, uh, kit of um, materials. And what he did was he just had people, the students, um, ra- you know, drill these holes as fast as they could exactly you know, perfectly you know, high accuracy and high pace right and because like you know if you're in an operation room or if you're you know your body is open the longer it's open the more risk you have for secondary infections and and and, and stuff like that so um the the analog is uh, the example is who would you rather do somebody that can do your procedure 100 percent in four hours you know 100 percent correct in four hours or 100 percent correct in 20 minutes which one would you pick right and so that's what they're after on this frequency building thing so we're actually going to measure what it means to be a expert orthopedic surgeon, what are the frequencies of all those component behaviors that when combined give you an expert precision, you know, uh, expert orthopedic surgeon. So we're going to be able to quantify, and Rick hopes we can do this, uh, we're going to be able to quantify 
uh, and this is what the research will help help tell us if we can. Uh, what are the frequencies of all those component behaviors as they merge up into this behavioral genome of an orthopedic surgeon? So you got a ninety, you know, ninety nine point one two number. You're ready to go. Oh, you're only at ninety seven. You're not ready to go. With a little more practice, right? Wow. How cool would that be? That would be super yeah. cool. Yeah, so that's a that's it. we're very excited about that thing. That thing will change. That study will change. We think proficiency-based skills, you know, professions, to be totally objective. That would be interesting too, from like a relicense <clears throat> relicensure standpoint as well. You know, like are someone's skills declining or or what have you? you yeah. Know? Right. I have a friend of mine who's an airline pilot for Delta, and. Uh, that sounds like a, a, an application where there's probably a limitless potential for this sort of thing. Um, you know, I, uh, when I, I was uh, chatting with him a few weeks ago and uh, we were talking about how that, um, do you remember a while back that Southwest flight had that engine blow out? The pilot landed with yeah. one engine. Um, yes, I do. I, so I was asking about that. I'm like, so, you know, the pilots across, the, you know, the, the you know, the spectrum get some sort of memo when something like this happens and say, hey, guys, review your procedures about flying with one engine. Um, he looked at me so casually. He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I know how to do it. <laughs> I'm like, well, how? You know, like, he's like, every year we go to a, uh, um, uh, at least he's speaking from Delta, they go to, um, you know, the, the whatever, wherever the Delta headquarters are. I think it's in Atlanta or Houston or something like that. And they have these uh, simulators, and he's like, "These simulators are so realistic. They're on hydraulic jacks and things like that. Yeah. And they put us through all the emergency procedures, and we don't get out of there until we do them right, you know. And of course, I'm going ding, 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 ding. You know, there's got to be some sort of, you know, you know. So when you say proficiency based thing, and, and re, you know, and I'm thinking like retraining of high, <clears throat> you know, high skill type of uh, situations. But he, the, the funny, the look on his face was just so utterly confident because he's been put in that situation a gazillion times. And he was like, said, yeah, it's like the pilot was in midair, he like was, was, was at cruising altitude. He's like, what really gets hairy is when that happens on takeoff and landing and they've practiced all this stuff. And so yeah, yeah. he didn't say it, but I was wondering if he was saying like, well, they, they were, you know, it was perhaps wasn't as difficult as, uh, you know, he wasn't being cocky about it. He's not a, he's not that type of dude, but. It's just really interesting, and it kind of the, the the practice to competency uh, just really reminded me of the kind of stuff that we would do. And I was like, oh, this is. It reminded me of what our previous conversations were about this, you know, kind of med student training thing as well. And that might be an area of application. You know, can can we get pilots trained faster? You know, like the Air Force right now has. Uh, I think they're coming up on. They're they're about to have like a a, a crisis level shortage of fighter pilots. You know. Um, yeah. So, bring know. in the robots. <laughs> what does that mean for, for you know for, for you know? And I'm sure there's there's the, the washout rate is probably pretty significant, you know, in, in those types of uh, preparation programs. Anyway, so I guess the the more examples you can come, I mean, there's probably limitless applications. So it's just fun. Yeah, we uh, uh, we we think so too. Um, and in some cases, like people are already kind of doing like fluency based fluency building because like they're using time as a critical comp component. Like when you think about like mastering some social skills and things like that, like you give somebody a discrete trial, they do it correctly. You give them another one, you know, five minutes later, they do it correctly, and you know, your mastery criterion is eighty percent of three out of five times or whatever. Um, 
But that takes time out of the whole equation, right? You, you know, to, in order to execute those maneuvers in the airplanes, you have to do them within a specific time or you crash, right? Like, so time is critical to everything we do. Everything you know, organisms do, time is a critical component. And our measurement systems and our decision-making systems are all based, mostly based on you know, this percent correct ratio, which literally takes time out of the equation. So if I go and walk across the street 100% correctly, Right, but it takes me an hour. I'm going to get run over. Right, I'm going to get run over. You know, so people kind of miscon miss. Um, uh, there's a misnomer about fluency and precision teaching. Is like you just go really fast. Like no, you don't go really fast. You go to a natural pace where it's a fluent behavior. Right, that's it. it, it just because it's a lot of times we do practice things fast. That means that's because you could do math facts 200 per minute or 100 per minute. You know. You can get that fast, and if you get to that level, you're automatic. You have automaticity of that skill. You no longer stand any mental injury. There's just a brain study, which is great, a neuroscience study. I just came across. Uh, I think I downloaded. It. I'll find it. Uh, that proved exactly that. If you have automaticity of skills, you no longer use your kind of learning part of your brain to figure out other things. And if you just get to mastery, you're still stuck on the algorithm. You don't have. You're not freed up to work on these other algorithms. And so, fluency to us is uh, critical. It's the key. Honestly. Cool, cool. Um, well, Dave, we've been uh, chatting for a while here, um, <clears throat> as we as we typically do when we get a chance to catch up. Uh, we're going on like 52 minutes and change. Oh, nice. So, um, I get, I'm getting paid by the minute for this, right? Yeah, the checks are well. Um, <laughs> Sweet. What, uh, is there anything else you want to leave listeners or viewers in this case? Wow, I'm so used to, I'm so used to saying listeners. Uh, you know, this is a... This, changing my medium here um but um uh, anything else you want folks to know uh or or any any places for folks to go check out if they want to learn more about this stuff yeah so one is that we are very excited rick and myself uh co-founders of trilex we're very excited about our um uh, merging with central reach uh, we think uh, we're now going to have the resources and the backing and sort of the scope of size to really drive precision measurement uh, forward like it's never been driven before. Um, and so uh, we have complete buy-in by not just Central Reach, but um, so Insight Venture Partners is the venture firm, growth equity firm, amazing firm, amazing people. I, I have conversations. They're, they're so brilliant and smart. Um, we have – they've identified it as like best-of-breed clinical decision-making, and they want to really push this – forward um and so we're gonna have resources that we could have never dreamed of um and we're very excited about that and so we think just we're just getting started this is you know this is chapter one still that we're in a precision teaching and i'd say to get information more information about it maybe we can add some things to your page but you have on the uh i can see down here below which there's like a three-minute lag, which is weird. I don't know how to get used to that. But uh, <laughs> uh, go to trilinks.com slash Matt, and we have tons of resources. We have a special bundle we put together for watchers and listeners right, of yeah. the uh, Behavior Observation Podcast, uh, where I think we're even giving away some free CEUs about just getting started with precision teaching and what it can do. And there's a whole, there's a whole list of resources um, that are available there. And we'll, we'll, we continually add to that uh, as well. Yeah, thanks for putting that in there. No yeah, so that's... I always enjoy talking to you, Matt. We have I it's uh I could probably just talk the rest of the morning. There we go. I have yeah. more meetings. I'm just I'm actually trying to escape meetings here anyway. So oh, okay. Well, good. you know, if I can help the cause out, you know. <laughs> yeah, just let's keep talking. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. If, uh, yeah, because you see people like walking behind you. It's like you know, it's like hey, people are actually doing work here. They see like you know, talking to a computer. Um, all right, cool. Well, uh, Dave, a huge congratulations to you and to Rick. 
and thank to you. all the other awesome folks at Chartlytics. Um, yeah, we couldn't honestly with about the folks at Chartlytics. We have just a, a, an amazing team. They live, breathe, sleep precision teaching. You know, it, it's it runs through our blood. That is um, and we absolutely just, true. <laughs> having spent time with with many of your employees, uh, that is one. We're out, out, yeah, out to dinner. Have, have you know? Uh, you know, people are talking about precision teaching, having coffee. <laughs> you know, it's like there's no it, off switch. It, you know, <laughs> it's like the, it, it's part of it's part of the it's 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 yeah. It's just it's such amazing uh, when you see the outcomes we help people generate. Like, I, it's just crazy, um, and it's hard to say. Like, it's hard to not want to keep. Um. Uh, disseminating that right and so anyway uh, we wouldn't be here without the team we have to, today um, and uh, we, I'm just so it you know it's hard to put together this is my fourth software company I guess it is really hard to get the kind of combination of uh, team members and uh, I mean we're all bought in everybody's bought in we're 110 percent and that's that's a very awesome uh, I've never experienced that before, so I'm entirely, totally lucky to have that team, and uh, looking forward to building it and, and 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 merging that culture here with Central Reach as well. So very cool. All right, well, uh, Dave, thanks for joining us this morning. Have a uh, great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Behavioral Observations Podcast with Matt Sicoria. You can find Matt's notes on this episode at www.behavioralobservations.com. We also invite you to stay connected with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash behavioral observations and on Twitter at Behavior Podcast.